Please join me in a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Bless the proclamation of your gospel among your people and fortify and strengthen us for this coming school year and for life in your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Whenever I begin to speak about the school, I get a little teary-eyed because it's family to me. It's, it's my kids. Uh, my kids went through the school about, um, I got my son's first student loan pretty much paid off, so that's seven years minus about 14 years ago. And there's nothing like watching the students matriculate through the, through the school and watching them grow in the lessons of life and, and, and grow physically and in, in, in stature and, and all of those things. It's just a joyful thing to, to watch. And we get to watch that beginning this Tuesday and get after it. And it's one of those things that's challenging for us as a congregation, uh, but it's also one of those things that provides great joy for all of us. Yesterday, Pastor Mark and I had a a funeral out at our, there we go, out at our cemetery off Fairhaven Street. And, and when he began to talk to the family about what mattered, uh, it was all about school. Their kids had met kids at school, and here they were now in their mid-40s all together as one with the death of the matriarch of kind of the system who had been a source of grace and kindness of love and God's favor, it was just fantastic. And in a very dark time at, 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 at one of our local schools, when it was really, really hard, this family was one of those rare oases of love and kindness and inclusion. And when kids would get in trouble, they'd be able to reach out to this family and say, can we come over for dinner and hang out on Sunday nights because we know it's an unconditional place? And yesterday, there was probably a hundred people gathered around a cemetery plot, remembering and telling stories of God's grace and love, all focused and incubated in a Lutheran school, both here and at Orange Lutheran, and what that meant for those people. If you know what this is, you're probably a better person than most Southern California people because this is called a flywheel. And a flywheel, once you get the flywheel going, the engine kind of keeps moving pretty good. And this is a John Deere. I can't tell you what model that is, but my father-in-law could tell you what model that is. Matter of fact, my father-in-law could tell you about the magneto. He could tell you about the two cylinders inside of it. He could tell you how to get those two cylinders unstuck. He could tell you that those rubber tires aren't original equipment. He could go on and on about it. But that flywheel is a bear to get moving. My father-in-law still at 79 years old can, can, can lean into that flywheel and, and he can get it going and spinning and spinning. And then all of a sudden the engine coughs and goes pop, pop, pop. But once the flywheel is moving, the engine, it's really hard to stall that John Deere. Let me show you what that looks like. This is a horse and a half John Deere motor with the engine with the flywheel looking right at you.
Watch your hand, big guy. Look at that flywheel go. A motor like that could run a corn sheller, it could run a little pump, it could uh, move silage on an auger. Those little engines were amazing. All you had to do was crank the flywheel and get the flywheel going. And it was very hard to stall out one of those engines. The flywheel that is St. John's Lutheran Church at least by way of our program, is our school. And when our school goes really well, things in our church go really well. The school has some marvelous things that it adds and brings to the community that is St. John's. And for those who are new to St. John's, maybe new to Lutheran schools, yet you almost have to see it to believe it. But the flywheel is set to go. And the flywheel of a Lutheran school is run with the jet fuel of hope. And these are words of hope from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, since we have been justified... Let's read this together. You can see it okay? Yeah, let's read this together. I don't want to read by myself. I'm tired this morning, so I need all the help I can get. I'm all right, but... Okay, here we go. Let's read together. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's got a marvelous way of bringing people through our lives. And one of the people when I was really young in ministry who made a profound impression on me was this gentleman, Pastor Vic Constein. How many remember Pastor Vic? Yeah, it's a long time ago. Pastor Vic had gone through some stuff politically and Pastor Ash found a a marvelous position that fit Pastor Vic's gifts and skills. If you were sick, Pastor Vic was there. If you were hurting, he was there. He had a beautiful, soft voice and his, his sermons, while very well done with language and very well done, were very straightforward. And I'll never forget Pastor Vic's comment on hope. Hope is faith. That looks forward. Hope is faith. That looks forward. I hope. That's saying there's something more than just today. There's something more than just my immediate circumstance. There's something more than just me in this world. There's something bigger and grander that God is doing. And I'm not going to quit. And I'm not going to give up. And I'm not going to roll over until that hope is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And until that day where God takes me home, I'm gonna have a faith that looks forward. Faith that looks forward is hope. We as a congregation are looking forward to Tuesday because Tuesday, it goes bonkers. 
It's uncontrollable. We can't really, we, we try. We're good Lutheran people. We try to control it, and put it in a box and make it happen and all of those things. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the five-year-olds descend on kindergarten. And it's more traumatic for the parents than it is for the students. And it's not even close how, how much more traumatic. The kids are up and ready to go. They're fired up. They get in. They've got their place. The teacher's ready. They've got their table. They start with their centers. They, they do their thing. And the parents kind of gather as we let them go and put them on the outside of the fence because if we didn't, they wouldn't leave. And they kind of drool on their kids. And they're like, is Billy going to be okay? Billy's going to be just fine. He's, he's okay. And he typically is. Usually there's a little bit of something that goes on with Billy between K and 8. There's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. A little bit of rough go, a little bit of I didn't do this, didn't make that. There's always a little bit of stuff. And with that, the challenges, there's also great wins. But at the end of the day, we hope that we in our school and throughout our ministry have delivered the restorative hope of Jesus Christ. That at the end of those nine years that a student can stand up and say, I believe in Jesus. And my hope is in the Lord God. And that changes our enterprise of education from every possible secular and many religious institutional organizations, educational institutions. Because at the heart and the core at the center of what we do is delivering the restorative hope of Jesus. It's what keeps us grounded. It's what keeps us rooted. It's what we're all about. It's how we evaluate what we're doing and, and, and how it's going. It's what keeps us out of the rut of the same, the same, the same, the same, the same. It's what makes chapel so beautiful every Wednesday morning. As this sanctuary is full of young people singing praises to the Lord and giving one another a sense of hope in Jesus. It's what allows us a value system that is countercultural to the world. The world says what really matters is you and you first. Your likes, your tastes, your dislikes, your opinions, all about you and what you want. And then consumption, what you can possess that drives your life. And you find meaning in what you have and possess. And if you have a lot, then you feel good. And if you have a little or less than the person next to you, then you feel cruddy. Not us. We believe in Jesus Christ. And that in Him is faith and faith that looks forward with the audacity of optimistic expectations is hope. And hope doesn't fail. Actually, Paul says hope does not disappoint us because Christ. I love our school. I love this Tuesday because of what it means and what it's all about. I like the people who look lost, especially. Where do we get? How do we get what? Uh, can I help you to your room? Can I help you see it? And then this big campus becomes home, a home filled with hope. 
throughout the course of those nine years that say a student is at St. John's, there's stuff that happens. People get sick, families struggle, teachers get sick, teachers struggle. And in the give and take and the grist of all of those pieces of life, there's this marvelous sense of hope in Jesus. Because he sealed hope when he rose from the dead and gave us all something infinitely grander than self to hold on to. Hope, faith that looks forward. Hope, the jet fuel of the Christian life. Hope and delivering hope. Because hope restores. Hope builds up hearts. Hope builds up relationships. Hope builds up people. Hope inspires. Hope glues people together. Hope allows that teacher at the end of a long day to have the parent come in who sent 50,000 emails and the parent comes in and the teacher sits there just exhausted. But it's hope for the student in the name of Jesus that leads our faculty and all who love children and serve them from seven to whatever allows them that gracious love of Jesus for those students. And the blessing of the school to the church is phenomenal. Our school adds people, little people. You ask anybody who came from a church, maybe a rural church or a Midwestern church or, or another Lutheran church, and, and, and they say, you know what, we had to give up Sunday school. And then we had to give up midweek school. And then our haven't had a confirmation kid for a long, long time. And we got all this stuff going on. And when you brought your kids to church, it was the first kids we've seen in church in years. Our school adds people, little people. And it brings an infusion of youth and families into our congregation every year. And allows us an opportunity to speak the words of God's gospel and God's grace. And then to experience that grace and gospel in the community of the church and the school. What a blessing it is to be a part of a ministry that's rejuvenated and recreated year by year. As some families leave and move and do their thing, God sees fit to bring new families in. I love where Dr. Hollitz is leading our school and I feel confident in his leadership. I love our little tagline here, courageous faith inspired learners. But at the end of the day, our school is a means by which people see Jesus. It's what we do. That's the fuel that spins the flywheel. If we aren't winning people to Jesus, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, then why have a school? And if you're not going to win people to Jesus and you're still going to have a school, then you better charge a lot of money for it because it's a great moneymaker in Orange County. But not our school. Our school is a platform to win students and family to Jesus. And we'll give every opportunity that we possibly can to make that happen formally and lessons and plans and all of that and informally as we bump into people and encourage and love one another but we do it under the shadow of the cross of Jesus his love his kindness his forgiveness leading guiding fueling the ministry that we share together
so that we become a community of hope. That when students and families come on our campus, they say, we're not so sure what's so different, but we sure want to find out. And then they're loved. Two words are huge in our culture right now. One of them is identity. People talk about how they identify themselves. I identify myself as, and and I'd like to identify myself as a 24-year-old, 180-pound male. What's so funny? I can identify myself that way, right? You with me? But in a community of hope, we help people see their identity in Christ. Perhaps the most important piece of a person's life is not how they self-identify, but that they are identified by God through faith in Jesus Christ. Every student, over 750 of them, coming onto our campus this week, each one is identified as a child of God. Having been baptized into Christ, having heard the word of the gospel, we help them identify and to find their identity first and foremost in Jesus. Because Jesus identifies them for who they are. They belong to him. And the second word that's powerful in our culture today is orientation. We want our students to find their orientation and their direction in life based on the clear word of God. So that when they go through our school, they don't have to say, well, I'm not so sure about this and I'm not so sure about that. Pastor Tim, I don't buy. I've had nine years of that Packer stuff and that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But my life is oriented around the Word of God. My value system is around the Word of God. Who I am and what I'm all about and the way my relationships are, are around the Word of God. We had to do all that memory work. And my mom and dad, they made me learn that scripture on the way to school. And it always drove me nuts. But now at 35 years old, facing something in my life, I have a reservoir to which I'm oriented that allows me to cling to something bigger than myself. And that's where the restoration of Jesus finds its way. And the gospel works its marvelous miracle of faith in the heart's of God's people in our hearts. We are a church with a school. This is a marvelous picture. I believe this is the opening of this building in 1914. I love this picture. You notice there's nothing to the north and there's nothing to the east. Isn't that great? For you guys sitting in the balcony, you should know that when you're sitting in somebody's seat in the balcony and they come to you and say, you're sitting in my seat, you literally could be because they walked the pews from the old church over to the new church and screwed them into the ground right where you're sitting. You legitimately may be sitting in someone else's pew, but that's okay. We have a legacy of school. It was one year after the church was founded that the German immigrants said, we need to have a school or Vimus ein Schule haben or something like that. (laughs) And so the kids would come from the orange groves with no shoes to school because you didn't need school when you were walking, you didn't need shoes when you were walking through the orange groves and the red clay dirt. And the city kids 
they would wear their shoes because if you were in the city, that's how you rolled. Used to be the instruction was done all in German and not long, uh, either directly before, directly after World War I, the city fathers said, there's so many of you crazy Lutherans with your crazy school, everyone's speaking German and they think you're collaborating with the Kaiser. And I have documents from Ken Schluter about how the pastor wrote to the city fathers and said, wait a minute, we're, 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 we're here to make a difference in our community here in 1914 or what. See, our school does not exist as an academy of higher learning. Our school exists as a platform for bringing the restorative hope of Jesus into the hearts and lives of students who are almost three years old and on their way to high school. And as we keep that with good order and good balance, we make a marvelous difference in making it work because lives are transformed. Lives are changed. Lives are moved in a way that leads to entire communities being restored. I had to gather my emotions a little bit as I saw Jack Reed. Jack graduated from St. John's about, what, eight year, four years ago? No, eight years ago. Yeah. Remember having breakfast with Jack at the filling, having breakfast with Jack at the filling station and hanging out. The young man knows more about World War II armaments than I would ever know. His life's been changed. He just graduated from college at Azusa Pacific University. What a blessing it is to have him share the scripture with us this morning. You see, life shapes us for life. And God puts his people in marvelous places to make a big impact. And the experiences that our students and their families have in the community of our school last for a lifetime and make an enormous difference in home and family, in relationships and friendships, and in the community. The restorative hope of Jesus. This is a friend of mine. She got to that middle part of, of, of life, the late 40s, early 50s, and was kind of trying to figure out what to do. In her first life, she uh, was very successful, the CFO of her family business. And in that family business, she took the business from millions to billions. And then she found herself exhausted and worn out and struggling. And when you had all the money you were ever going to be able to spend, then what? And she struggled to kind of figure out where she was going, but she had this marvelous hope in her heart. She said, God is leading me to something. I'm just not sure what it is. God is leading me here. I'm not sure what it is, but it's going to be this and that. And it wasn't this and it wasn't that. And all of a sudden it was reading and writing. And first it was going to be novels that sold big. And that wasn't so much. And then she started writing books about restorative stories in her family from her father and someone said, I need to have you come and speak to my students about literacy. And now she's gone from a CFO of a family business that's worth about $1.5 billion to a little bitty office over in the plaza, traveling all around America to bring the gift of literacy to children. Everywhere she goes, she brings restoration. 
Every place she stops, she leaves more books for more kids than you could ever imagine. Every time she stands up and speaks to a group of children, whether they're preschoolers or eighth graders, there's hope that fills her voice and hope that leads what she does. And she looks and says, all of the things that I bring to the table today have shaped me for this ministry that I have at my foundation. She found herself up this last spring at an Indian reservation up in Montana. And I said, how, I follow on Facebook and Instagram, I said, how in the world did you get there? She said, well, it's easy. You take a little flight from Orange County, and then you go to Pocatello, and then you go to Bozeman, then you get, I'm like, wow, I was lost. If it's not Southwest, and it just doesn't fly through Vegas or Phoenix or Denver, I'm kind of lost, you know. It's a lady who's used to flying first class, staying in the nicest places on the face of the earth, traveling here and there with not ever touching a bag, taking a prop job out to the middle of a reservation, where the children's teeth are rotted out because of their diet, where alcoholism among the parents is rampant, where students read at lower and lower levels because there's just not the resources there to make it happen or necessarily the inclination. And she shows up with hope, with unconditional love, with materials that make a difference. She sees things how they ought to be rather than how they are. I love this little quote from a book, The Next Christians, by a man named Gabe Lyons. He writes, when we see the world in terms of how things ought to be, we can dream for the impossible and work to see it become reality. Hope is a marvelous gift, the jet fuel of the Christian life the flywheel of our community here at St. John's. And the marvelous gift distributed through your ministry, through a school, beginning at 8 o'clock on Tuesday morning. Amen? Amen. Please join me for prayer. Thanks, Lord, for an opportunity to preach today. An opportunity to wrap our arms and lives and hearts around a ministry that's been dear to this congregation for almost 140 years. We thank you for those people who carved out so much. We thank you for their responsibility that they have entrusted to us in this generation. Guide us in our work this week. Bless our faculty, our staff, all of us working together. We thank you that you, you keep our enrollment robust. Lord, we don't take that for granted at all, but we ask you would continue to help us reach into our community and deliver that marvelous gift of your hope through our schools and through every ministry that we have and every person represented at St. John's Orange. Bless us with energy commensurate with the task. Bless us with the tenacity of will never to quit. And bless us with those little children. The disciples said, get those kids out of here. You said, bring the children unto me. Lord, in a very well, real way, we are all your children. Thank you for your love for us and for drawing us close to you. Hear our prayers in the name of Jesus.